0: Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. Thank you so much for coming along on this ride with me, and hopefully it won't be too bumpy a ride, despite the fact that we are going to be discussing turbulence, turbulence up in the skies. To help me on that topic, I have Sean Cudahy on the line. He's been writing a slew of fabulous articles for us on Fromers.com one of which had the intriguing headline How Dangerous Is Turbulence on Planes and Is It Getting Worse. Hey Sean, welcome to the Fromer Travel Show.
1: Hi, good to be with you.
0: Well, good to be with you too and and let's start with this fact. And I think it's a fact, but you would know better than me. No airplane has ever been shaken out of the sky. Turbulence has never caused a plane to crash, correct?
1: That is correct to my knowledge. And I think that a lot of the time people get concerned that something's going to happen to the plane, that it's going to come apart in midair. And uh, all the experts have assured me that uh, no matter how bumpy it gets, that's really not going to happen on on any of your your big jet airlines.
0: Right. So that's, I, I hope, comes as a relief to some. But that's not saying that that turbulence can't be dangerous uh, just recently, somebody was killed because of turbulence, correct? Uh,
1: uh, tragically, yes. Uh, just early at the beginning of March, that was on a a business jet and followed a couple of other really serious incidents that we had. We had that Hawaiian Airlines plane uh, back in December where a couple dozen people were injured from severe turbulence. Uh, there was that uh, flight that was on its way from Texas to Germany just a few weeks ago, right before that tragic uh, business uh, death on a business jet. Uh, Plane had to land uh, at Dulles outside D.C. because of some mm. turbulence.
0: Wow! So, what causes
1: turbulence?
0: Why can't pilots simply avoid it?
1: Yeah, so it's a tricky thing. It's really been a, a you know something that's of course been around since uh, you know the beginning of air travel. Really, it, it can come from a variety of factors. You think of the you know cold and warm weather fronts that you hear the meteorologists talk about air coming over mountains, any number of things. There's also, and I think one of the most dangerous things that we talk about is clear air turbulence, and that is, uh, you know, turbulence that really kind of seemingly comes out of nowhere. One of the things that meteorologists, uh, one of the top aviation meteorologists has talked about is how, you know, their their weather models really can't hone in on the very, specific tiny little spots where these pockets of turbulence can happen they they look at much uh-huh. bigger geographical areas which can make it hard to to kind of pinpoint where exactly you know a, a bump or or some choppiness might happen that's why they really have to rely on the pilots to communicate with one another uh and share okay you know i i was over this spot in Missouri, and there was, you know, a lot of turbulence right there, they, they can relay that back to pilots that are that are headed that way behind them. And that's really been something that the FAA has been pushing to try to get better communication
2: huh.
0: to relay that between pilots. What struck me in your article was that Turbulence is in many ways still a mystery to scientists. They understand, obviously, wind currents off uh, mountains, but sometimes they just don't know what causes it,
1: right? Yeah, and this this uh, individual I spoke with, again, one of the top experts on the subject, and he he was the first to say that it really kind of remains a bit of a mystery at this point and something that they need to learn a lot more about. And unfortunately, something that may get worse through the years with climate change.
0: Well, let's talk about that. So even though it's a mystery we know that turbulence is increasing as the world's weather systems become more volatile, right?
1: Right. And you think about, you know, we you know everywhere you look, you see the impacts of climate change on weather from bigger, hotter summers to, you know, more volatility in terms of a tornado or hurricane or thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly that would translate, you, it makes sense to turbulence. Uh, and there, there was actually a study that came out just earlier this month that uh, anticipates that it is going to be a bigger issue for pilots to contend with in the decades to come.
0: It's going to be interesting. I wonder if Boeing and other airplane manufacturers are going to have to rejigger what they're doing with the design of planes to to account for this. It's uh, You didn't cover this in the article, so I don't expect an answer necessarily, but it's it's going to be interesting to see how this will affect air travel. For now, though, what is the key thing that passengers need to know to avoid being injured uh, during an episode of turbulence?
1: Well, fortunately, the the list of things uh, you know talk with this expert uh, is pretty short, and it really comes down to buckling your seatbelt whenever possible. I think so often you hear you know the, the 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 ding go off and the pilot come on over the the uh, the intercom and announce that they are going to be uh, you know putting on the seatbelt sign because there's you know some choppiness ahead, and you see three or four people get up at that moment and go to the laboratory. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much the worst thing that you could do in that moment. If it, what I'm told is that if if you know if your seatbelt is buckled, if you are sitting down, the chances of you getting injured are next to nothing. Huh. The uh, NTSB, the FAA have looked at cases of turbulence injuries. They track them over the years, and the vast majority of them um, have actually been to flight attendants and crew mm. on board the plane. And of course, part of the reason for that is because because of the nature of their job, they are up moving around in the cabin right. even when. The seatbelt sign is off uh, because part of their responsibilities. So there's been, you know, quite some yeah. calls to allow for them to be buckled in more of the time.
0: Yeah, listening to you say that, I mean, I was thinking of how the overhead bins open, and I would think if one unexpectedly came open during turbulence. The door would pretty much protect those below it. You know, that the, anything that tumbled down, if you just think of how those doors open, would most likely tumble into the aisle. This is me speculating. I, I don't have evidence for that.
1: Right. And to to the contrary, you can picture if you're standing in the aisle, on the other hand, uh, and those bins come open, and there's, you know, yeah. think about somebody, um, I think I can picture somebody who had shopped at a duty-free store and they had a, a huge bag full of wine bottles. I remember seeing mm. that somebody pull that out of the overhead bin one point and almost hit somebody in the head. I mean you can look at any number of things that are in those bins that could come falling down it and yeah, chances are they're gonna they're gonna go into the aisle, which is great if you're not standing in the aisle.
0: Right. (laughs) Exactly. So you also wrote another fascinating piece for us about the new dashboard that the DOT has put out to try and help us better understand what the regulations are around air travel. Originally, this dashboard had information about what to do if your flight was canceled, you know, who's supposed to pay for your hotel room if you're stranded, the other the various other help you maybe do from the airlines. but the this dashboard was just updated to better help families traveling with children who want to sit together. But you found Sean that the the help is 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 not that good, right?
1: Yeah, well, it, it so this is part of the larger push by the Biden administration. They've really, you know, been putting the pressure on airlines coming out of last summer's kind of mass disruptions. And it, as to your point, it started with laying out what the airlines do and don't guarantee in the event of um, you know cancellations, uh, significant delays that are within the airline's control, which is to say not weather events. Uh, and then they added this family seating dashboard earlier this month. And basically what they are evaluating, uh, I think, 10 different U.S. airlines on is whether they do or do not guarantee the right of families to sit together without an added fee. Now, certainly at face value that is a, a, a critical question for families looking to travel together, but what I found looking at it is that it's a pretty narrow question. You know, for instance, Southwest Airlines was not given a pass. You know, they didn't get the green check mark. And, you know, any frequent Southwest flyer knows that they can there aren't even assigned seats you just board right. choose your seat when you get on board now of course you know if you, if you don't pay for or or earn one of the you know earliest boarding groups then there's not as many seats available but they also have some fairly lenient family boarding processes so
0: yeah I thought I thought they allowed families with children under six to board early right. in the process
1: they they do they do so they were one of the ones that actually got a red X mark oh. as did United Airlines which made all these headlines last month for announcing its new um, you know computer processes that look to seat families together and the airline has you know that's no matter if you're flying in basic economy or main cabin or whatever ticket you bought and the airline will move you to a new flight if you for some reason aren't able to sit together. So, huh. um, you know, it's not to say that the airlines don't have more room for improvement, more room to make things simpler for families looking to sit together, but you know, if you're if you're between a, a more expensive ticket on an airline that does, you know, pass muster with the DOT versus an airline that maybe has a cheap much cheaper ticket that got a red X mark I would just suggest doing a little bit more hope markup I think only 3 right. airlines passed
0: Ha huh. interesting yeah so you feel like this new dashboard is somewhat misleading for some of the airlines
1: I think it's a it's a start to be sure. But I think that, you know, if if, as like with anything, I think the best thing that consumers booking a trip can always do is to, to do more homework and look beyond and figure out exactly what's best for them. I think that the best bet would be to, you know, if you see a cheap ticket on one of the many airlines that got a red X mark on this dashboard, I would go look at the airlines policies a little bit more closely to see if it might just work for you still. For instance, Delta Airlines, which, you know, got a red X mark, has told us that they will always work with consumers on a case by case basis, just give reservations a call and see if they can rejigger things for you. Um, I think there's, Mm -hmm. there's always options, it seems.
0: Right, right. Well, excellent advice. And we're so thrilled that you're writing for us at fromers.com. Thank you so much, Sean, for appearing on the Fromer Travel Show. Thank you. next guest wrote a sobering important article for the New York Times it was called what happened to the woman in the hotel room next door with their closed doors and transient nature hotels can provide an environment for crimes like sex trafficking her name is Stephanie Pearson Stephanie thank you so much for appearing on the Frommer Travel Show oh thank you for having me so the, the headline of that piece kind of gives away that this is an experience you had and that inspired you to write this article. So, so tell us what happened to you in a hotel. Uh, how
2: long ago was this? Oh, it started uh, about a year ago. I was traveling across country with my mom. She's 80 years old and loves to spend time in Arizona. So I drive her down there every year. And We generally go pretty fast because she likes to get there. So we were on the interstate driving north to south and checked into a hotel. It was about eight o'clock at night and it was on the edge of a big city and there was a hockey game or something going on in an arena nearby. And it was, there were a lot of people in the hotel and we went to bed at about 10 o'clock because we needed to get up pretty early. And at about eleven o'clock I woke up and I I heard or I I smelled pot and that's why I woke mm. up. And then I heard the <laughs> voices and they were partying and it was it was next door and, and so I laid awake there for a while and the voices diminished. But then all of a sudden I heard this very angry voice say, Get the expletive out of my room. And then there was mm. just this explosive angry, violent sounding fury. And then I heard some sounds that sounded like things were being thrown. And I heard, I started to hear a woman start to cry. Oh, and I, 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 was, I was very frightened. Um, it, it sounded violent. And because I had heard other male voices, I didn't know how many people were in the room. And I was fr- afraid for my mom. I was afraid for the woman, mm-hmm. I was afraid for myself. And I was, I was frozen. And, um, And, and I, I didn't know what to do. And, and so I sat there trying to run through the options in my mind. And I thought, you know, if the guy had a weapon that could play a role and I'd thought about knocking on the, on the wall, but I, Mm. I was, I was very afraid. And so, so then it, the door slammed and they left and, and then I'd sleep with my window open. And so about an hour later, I heard another argument in the parking lot, and I'm not entirely sure if it was the same people, but I looked down and saw a man holding the forearm of a woman oh my tightly, God. and they were having an argument. And then they walked out of my view. And so at that point, I called the front desk and I said, this is happening. It's happened before. It happened in the room next to mine. And I said, I need to call the police. And they said, don't call the police. We have a security on security. Person, you know, on staff, and they will handle it. And so, I was still afraid at that point. And so, I, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I let them handle it. In that, I guess, I naively thought that you know they were, they were going to handle it. And you know, this was a very mid-range hotel, one that I've stayed in a lot. You know, as I drive cross-country, and so I trusted that they would do the right thing. And so. So at that point, I couldn't sleep. My mom couldn't sleep. We wanted to leave, but we didn't know if these people were still there or what was happening. Yeah. So, so finally, after one more sort of short episode, it seems they came back to the room. There was more slamming, and um, and then they finally the door finally slammed, and that was about 3 a.m. And then we left the hotel very early, probably around 5:30 or 6, and talked to the front desk, who told us that a multitude of people had complained and that the people had been kicked out and that all was fine. And they said they are, you know, handled to train these types of incidences or they are trained Hmm. to handle these types of incidences and that, you know, they did what they needed to do. So at that point I drove down the interstate and was very distressed (laughs) Yeah, and so... And so you were worried
0: that what you heard, A, wasn't handled properly, and B, that, that maybe you could have of helped this person. When did you make the connection that it could have been a human trafficking incident that you were hearing?
2: Well, I, in my mind, I didn't know what happened. I didn't know if right. it was a domestic domestic abuse it could have been a number of things and it could have been human trafficking and so I started doing some research into it and there wasn't ever a point where I thought to myself this is definitively human trafficking but there are certain things that you can look for in terms of it potentially being human trafficking and and to this day I don't I don't know what happened to to the woman and it distresses me greatly. But I, there, there are some, some sure signs and, and one, one thing that, you know, this was a major interstate and oftentimes trafficking happens on North, North, South interstates off the freeway because it's very anonymous. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And, and that, that was a study that was specific to the East coast actually, um, research that I, that I found.
0: Well, before we go further, how common is it for human traffickers to use hotels and what are the numbers like?
2: Well, that's one of the things that I found in my reporting. Um, it's a very underground crime. I, I did some interviews with the Bureau of Justice and I did some interviews with Homeland Security and and they all say the same thing, which is the, the numbers are very, very gray and That just that goes back to sexual assault and domestic violence. I mean, roughly 50 percent of those crimes are reported. And so then to parse them out into hotels is even more difficult. Um, Sure. But in terms of the human trafficking hotline in 2021, for example, there were 10,571 unique sex trafficking victims who they vetted as trafficking victims after they called the hotline. So, but that they say in that report even and that's from Polaris which um handles the national national human trafficking hotline, but they that's very under very grossly under low because there's just no like the situation that happened to me, people may hear it, they may not want to be involved, they may, you know, they they may not know what's happening. And so right. so um but in my in my story for example there is a there is one one organization that does traff or or that does track you know what where things happen in the human trafficking report in 2021 um criminal cases that were brought in 2021 for human trafficking there were 22 hotels that were identified huh. um as locations where alleged sex trafficking took place um and so there they are identifying them in terms of when you know when they're showing up in in cases lawsuits. Right,
0: right. But I would think that the number of cases that actually make it to the legal system are probably a fraction, or just a small fraction of the number of of human trafficking incidents that are are happening right
2: now. Yes, right? very much so. Very much so. So
0: you said that that the folks at the hotel said we're trained to do this. What is the training? What are hotels doing? And and if you could also add on to that, why are hotels getting involved in this? Because some of them are being held criminally liable,
2: right? Correct and civilly liable. That's civilly. Liable. That's one of yeah. the most important distinctions. Um, so it sort of goes back to this Trafficking Victims Protection Act that passed in two thousand. Um, It was signed into law. And there have been two major amendments to that act, one of which in 2003, um, it made it so that survivors of trafficking can civilly sue their traffickers. Hmm. And then in 2008, that expanded to include third parties who knowingly Benefited financially from participating in a venture that engaged in trafficking crimes, huh. so that like a hotel, correct? Yeah. So if if they are aware that it happened, and there are many ways to be aware that it happened, they can be held accountable. Um, and there are a number of lawsuits. The first lawsuit that was filed using these statutes was in 2015, I believe, and that lawsuit settled before. It, it ultimately settled. So, so there are a number of other lawsuits that are sort of setting the precedent in this right now. And that none have, none have been, you know, completed. And so it's a very long process because it's a very long discovery period and it's a very long, you know, it just, it takes a long time. And, 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 but the importance of this is that it's, it's easier to, to bring a civil case than a criminal case because the burden of proof is a little bit lower. and huh. so. So anyway, um that's what is happening legally. And so the hotels may or may not be responding to this legal threat by providing um training in in 2019 the American Hotel and Lodging Association kicked off a uh no room for trafficking and that's a training program that they want to train all of the member employees to spot trafficking, and it's a it's a series of videos that shows hotel and hospitality industry employees how to spot what trafficking looks like huh. and what to right.
0: And you spoke with some organizations that try and help women who are being trafficked, and they told you a, a couple of important things. One of which was, you know, everybody has in their mind. picture of young blonde girl, (laughs) you know, being the victim, but, but actually this is more likely to happen to black and Brown women and women more than men, although men also get trafficked,
2: right? Correct. Yes. Um, the, the women it's a, a higher percentage of women, but yes, men and boys and transgender people. And it's, it's very much across the board. It's and that's why they train you in these trainings not to look for physical characteristics they they train you to look for behaviors. so sort of disregard skin color and gender and and try to look um for behaviors like not being able to make eye contact or um, somebody who seems extremely agitated or or someone who can't who seems to be sort of in the shadow of somebody who is a little too close to them um, you know who's not letting them out of their sight and not letting them speak for themselves and you know and this is a really hard thing to discern in a hotel lobby or where you may see somebody because you know there there are relationships that are very legitimate <laughs> and so that's the other thing uh, you know you don't want to get involved in other people's business which was well
0: I, well I guess that and that that's that's a key thing to take away from this article that that you, as somebody who was not official to the hotel, should not have knocked on the wall. That could have that could have endangered you. But when you talk to folks who deal with human trafficking, what did they say you did wrong?
2: Well, one woman who had been trafficked extensively throughout her, I, I think, 10 to 15 or more years, she said specifically that oftentimes she would be trafficked in hotels and the hotel would be knowingly involved. And that, that a lot of times people look the other way. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and in, in my case, she told me that I should have definitely called the police and that was my mistake. And I will do that. Definitely. Um, but the, the other thing that she told me and, in other, and other experts told me that I think is very important to remember is that you may not, Oftentimes calling the police can do further harm if you know in in the trafficking in the AHLA videos they they say that oftentimes traffickers will explicitly say if you call the police or if you tell someone, I will hurt you or I will kill you and so mm. so oftentimes that's you know if the police go away, that could cause a world of hurt but what other what experts did tell me is that if if you don't feel like you can call the police. Or, you know, if there's not violence taking place and if you don't, if you just suspect something, you should just try to reach out to the survivor if you suspect that that's happening and just say, there are numbers you can call, you can call the police. You know, I I am worried about your well-being. Are you okay? I mean, just... And you have to do this when the person who is abusing them is not
0: watching, obviously.
2: Correct. And... You know that just sort of humanizes that person and helps them to realize that someone is actually seeing what might be happening.
0: yeah, well, it's a it's a distressing uh, topic, obviously, uh, but it's one that a lot of people probably have encountered, not not really understanding it when they were in hotels because they are a loci, unfortunately uh, for this uh, illegal activity. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you feel uh, members of the general public or travelers should
2: know about this issue? Well, I think like any travel, um, and and I, I have to add too that I've traveled extensively both domestically and internationally throughout my life. And this is by far the worst thing that's happened to me in terms of experiencing violence. And so uh, I think it's the exception rather than rather sure, than the rule absolutely. It's, it's more common yes. but I I think just general awareness I mean I think it's the number one rule of travel just have have some sense of awareness of of your surroundings um and 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 what is happening around you. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Well thank you so much Stephanie for appearing on the Fromer Travel show. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this week's show. I thank everyone for listening. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage. I'll see you next week.
3: and cable